Good to see y'all in the house of the Lord today. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn to the first chapter of the book of Revelation. Revelation, the first chapter, we'll begin reading there in a few minutes. Now, when you start talking about the book of Revelation, you're talking about a very amazing book. But it is also a very complex book. Uh, a lot of people find it very difficult to look at and to study because there's a lot of twists, there's a lot of turns, there's a, a lot of rapid plot development in its pages. But uh, this book contains the elements of uh, a, a great thriller. In its pages, you will find all sorts of different things. You will find action. You will find suspense. You will find mystery. You will find fear. You will find dramas and horrors and, and even much excitement. Now, if you know anything about the book of Revelation, you know it took 22 full chapters for all the action that is in there to completely develop. And John gives us a insight into what's about to come to theaters near you. Uh, some would, would call it a coming attraction. Some would say that it is already in theaters right now, that we are living it out. And to some extent, I believe that. But as we look at these trailers, as we look at these previews that John prepared for us, he arouses the thought of those that will hear and will listen in a way that will remind us about what is going to happen, what is yet to come. So these verses that we're about to read today, it is an introduction, if you will, into the material that will be developed as you move through the chapters of Revelation. Uh, with that in mind, let's, let's take a, a look at Revelation, the first chapter. We're going to begin reading in verse 4. Y'all there? Amen? Amen. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness. Did you get that? A faithful witness. And the first begotten or the firstborn of the dead and the prince of the kings of earth or the ruler over the kings of the earth. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to, be, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all the kindreds or all the tribes of the earth shall wail or mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Now, as we focus on these few verses here for a little bit today, 
What we see, this is the last letter of John. This is the journey end, you might say. And you notice it says that he writes to the seven churches in Asia. Asia is what we call Turkey today. And this holy writing is to be delivered to these specific seven churches. Now, if you've still got your Bible open, if you look down in verse 11, you will see those, uh, uh, those seven churches that, that this letter was going to go to. And these people these, that were in these churches were all familiar with John's writings. They had read his earlier letters, and this is the actual one. But I, one thing that I want to point out, and I didn't read it, and I'm not going to, but if you look at those seven churches that John wrote this letter to, those seven churches are studied. Those seven churches are kind of uh, cut up. They're dissected, if you will, and you find all the details in chapter 2 and 3 of Revelation. But here's just a little bit that we do know about these seven churches. First of all, we know that, that they were not fiction, folks. These were real churches. They were a real set of churchgoers that, that showed up for church in this time that John corralled, wrote, chaptered, and penned this book. Jesus was speaking to John. I mean, this is Jesus' words to John. John just recorded them. And, and uh, you know, what God was talking to, to John about, he was talking about some real things. He was talking about some real sinners. He was giving uh, some real solutions to some real problems. And, and he was talking about a real situation that was going on. Secondly, something that I want you to know, and, and this I'm going to give you a homework assignment. You need to study these seven churches because the second thing that I want you to see, these seven churches were representative of every church that has ever existed that will ever exist. And, and what I've learned is that every church contains some of the characteristics that are marked by these churches. So that's your homework assignment is to study these letters to these seven different churches because every one of them had, had uh, characteristics that we see in churches today. So this letter, this memorandum, this, this, this memo, this message was directed and delivered to these seven churches of Asia Minor. And this is the first time, believe it or not, that you find the number seven in Revelation. Now I'm going to point some things out here. This number will show up when you start studying God's Word. That number seven will just show up time and time again all through the Bible. Uh, seven is a number that is perfection or completeness or fullness. So when the Bible mentions the seven churches that we were just talking about, it's referring to the church in its fullness. These are not baby churches. 
These were not churches that did not have a chance to develop. They were established churches just like churches today. So this number seven means something. It is a very prominent number. For instance, there are seven colors that make up the light spectrum. There are seven notes in the musical scale. There are seven days in a week. You ever thought about that? You know, some people say that the number seven is a magic number. Seven is often in the Bible. You find it all through the Bible. God commanded seven feats in His law. There are seven secrets or seven mysteries that, that are found in Christ's parables of His kingdom. There are seven sayings of Jesus when He was on the cross. At Jericho, if you remember, the seven priests, which had seven trumpets, marched around the city seven days. And on the seventh day, they marched around the city seven times before they blew those trumpets and the walls came tumbling down. So in Revelation, the number seven, believe it or not, is found 49 times. Seven times seven is 49. So it's pretty spectacular. So, uh, you know, that's just some of the sevens that, that, that we, we, we see. And, and here are some sevens in Revelation. All of these are in Revelation. There's seven churches, seven spirits, seven stars, seven seals, seven horns, seven eyes, seven trumpets, seven angels, seven thunders, seven head, seven crowns, seven plagues, seven veils, seven mountains. So that number, seven kings, as a matter of fact. So the number seven has some power. So as we look at this final letter that, that John wrote, then we see the message of the letter. And this letter reads, and, and looking at those verses that we read, what's the first thing he says? He says, grace unto you and peace. So John meets them with a prayer that they will continue to enjoy all the sufficient grace of God and, and the peace of God that will surpass understanding. Now, if you, you're, y'all are not familiar enough with the book of Revelation that you know that the book is filled with judgment. It's, it's full of rulings. It's full of disapprovals. But it is also a book of joy. It is a book of happiness. It is a book of delight and pleasures. See, this letter discloses the grace of God. And it points to a coming world when grace and peace will reign forever. So as we arrive in these verses, I want you to look in verses 4 and 5. Because John starts pointing some things out. And he talks about the deity of of the letter. We see the promise of grace and peace that comes to us from the Holy Trinity. I want you to look at that word there in verse 4. This word is used three times, and each time we see it, it introduces another member of the Godhead. It says God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, which was and is to come. Now, these two verses, talking about verses 4 and 5, 
remind us that this book was not the creation of man. This is God's word to John. But the words, uh, uh, these were words of God to man. Therefore, it carries power. It, it carries divine authority. So we're going to kind of examine the deity behind this letter. So in this, we see the sovereign father. You know, this identifies the God who is the self-existent one. You know, the God who calls himself the great I am. Uh, the God who and has who was, is, and always existed. The God who is the eternal one. The one who lives in three dimensions all at the same time. The past, the present, as well as the future. And he does that all at the same time. That's what is the amazing thing to me. He is the source of our grace. He is the source of the peace that we have. This God, the one who has always existed, who exists now, and who will always exist is the source of our grace and our peace. When John mentioned God, the Father, and God, the Spirit, he kind of talked about them in symbolic language. But when John starts talking about Jesus, he speaks of Him in very straightforward language. Why did He do that? Why did He speak in such straightforward read? Well, there's a reason. That was because He set Jesus at the center stage. In other words... He wanted everybody to know who Jesus was, to unveil who Jesus is. So right here in the beginning, Jesus tells us, John tells us exactly who Jesus is. He tells us who he is because John does not want there to be any confusion about Jesus. He don't want anybody to be confused about who he is or what he is about. He wanted us to know about his revelation. Now you notice that John calls Jesus the faithful witness. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? You know, because this little phrase calls to mind his coming to the world the first time. Why did Jesus come into the world? He came into the world to reveal who God was. Have you ever thought about that? He came into the world to reveal who the Father is. In fact, Jesus is the only person, hope I don't offend anybody, Jesus is the only person who is really in history who really has the right to bear the title of Jehovah's Witness. Now, I want you to think about that. I want you to think about that. You see, in the Old Testament, that was Israel's job. Why did God choose Israel? He chose Israel because there were God's witness to the world. In this age we live in today, the church is His witness to the world. However, neither the church nor Israel is a faithful witness. In fact, the best that we can do 
is be a mere reflection of God in His grace. That's the best that we can do. Jesus Christ was and is God in human flesh. He is more than just a reflection, folks. He is God. Therefore, He is able to give a faithful witness to the person and to the work of the Father. Amen. Are you with me here? Let me know that. Amen. Amen. Now, but then he talks about the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is called the first begotten of the dead. Did you see that in there? He's called the first begotten of the dead. Now, Jesus was not the first one to get up from the dead. You study the Bible, and all through the Bible, we see where people were raised up from the dead. But then what happened to them? They died. At some point, later on down the line, even though they had died once and they was raised up, they died again. But, Jesus is the first one to get up and stay up. He was the first one to get up and stay up. As we already established, all the other ones that got up, yes, they did, but they died again. So that's how Jesus is called or referred to the first begotten. That, you know where we get that word? Or that word comes from? We get our word prototype from that. Now, why are y'all looking at me in that tone of voice? <laughs> Have I got y'all that confused? Well, let's try to set that. In other words, Jesus sets the standards. When, whenever the Bible says that Jesus is the first begotten of the dead, it does not mean that He was the first one to get up. We already established that. There was people raised from the dead before Jesus. It means that He was the first in preeminence. In other words, He set the standard. He is the prototype. He is the coming attraction that will, will happen to all those who believe in Him. Y'all with me here? In other words, because He lives... Because we have faith in Him, uh, you know, we have passed from life unto death, or from death unto life. I got that backwards. Well, how do we do this? Well, I want you to flip to John 5, 24. How do we know this? The Gospel of John, go to 5, 24. Pages are turning. I like that. John 5, 24. Y'all there? Amen? Amen? Now, what I'm going to read, it might not be exactly what, what it says in your Bible, but in the King James Version, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He who hears my word, and what? 
believes in him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death into life and they will never die. Amen. Now I want you to flip over to the 11th chapter of the Gospel of John. The 11th chapter of the Gospel of John, verse 25 and 26. We're there, amen? amen? Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, did you get that? He who believes in me, that includes you. That includes me. If you have believed and accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, though he may die, he shall live, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Did you get that? Amen. What a sneak preview that is. But then we see his royalty. John says that Jesus is the prince of the kings of the earth. This means that Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords. Nobody shall be above him. It says in the Bible, and we read it a while ago, that everybody's going to see him. Everybody's going to know him. I wish I'd have looked that verse up where it says, Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, there's a lot of people living in this old world that are living high and mighty that think they are bigger than God. And I want to tell you, when God says, Son, I want you to go bring my children home, then the real world is going to see Him and all of His glory. And then I wonder what they're going to think. I wonder what they're going to do. Because He, being King of kings and Lord of lords, is in control. That tells us that we don't have to worry about what's going to happen in this old world. Because we'll reign with Him one day. You see, as His priest, or His ambassadors, or His administrators, we are giving direct access to the throne of God. And because all that has done, you know, all that Jesus has done for us. He deserves to be praised. Every day you get up, you should be praising God. Why? I want you to think about all the things that He has done for you. How He has cared for you. How He has cleansed you. How He has changed you. How He has provided for you how he holds you how he lifts you up in his glory and that should that should cause us to want to thank him that should cause us to want to praise him and, and, and a sneak and, and have a sneak preview of what is about to happen what is about to come and that's the title of my sermon a sneak preview of what is about to come what I love in this preview that John is telling us about and talking about Jesus and, and he talks about all the things that, that Jesus has done and then he starts talking and praising God. He says there in the verses that we read 
that, that, that to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let me tell you, and I need to tell somebody this morning, the closer you get to God, the more you're going to want to praise Him. Amen. The closer you get to God, you will just see His love demonstrated in you that much more. You know, and you learn more about Him. And the more you learn about Jesus, the more you want to praise Him. The more you learn about Him, the more your heart gets stirred up and the more praise and honor and glory you want to give Him. I want to tell you that the more I hear about Him, the more I want to praise Him. The more I learn about Him, the more I want to praise Him. And I just want to see the next next the next trailer. I want to see the next preview of what's going to happen. But I want you to know something else. In this sneak preview, there's also some promises. There is the promise of a coming one. It talks about in those verses that we read that Jesus is coming back, doesn't it? I'm talking about the one who came first, Jesus, born of a virgin, and died on the cross to purchase the redemption of our lives. He's coming back. He's coming back. The Bible says that He will be returning on a cloud. Have y'all ever heard that song, The Midnight Cry? That's not a loaded question, y'all. Relax. Have y'all ever heard that song? All y'all got All y'all got that fancy phones, don't you? We don't know how to work Get on YouTube. Boy, y'all got lots of homework assignments this week. Get on YouTube. And look up the song, Midnight Cry. Because it says, when Jesus steps out on that cloud and calls His children home. You remember that's the way He went away. You remember that? You remember Jesus would, would, would descend into heaven and then He'd come back? And then He'd descend and He would come back and finally, for the last time, he descended into heaven. And you remember his, his hand-picked dudes, his 12 apostles, you remember they were sitting there looking. They were looking up. And I believe I've got it right, but an angel said, what are y'all doing? Why are y'all looking up? They said, well, we're waiting for him to come back again. Well, this time he didn't come back. But I'm here to tell you this morning that one day Jesus will come again. One day Jesus is going to step out on that cloud and call His children home. Amen. And then we will be caught up. He's the same one 
that defeats the enemies of God. And when He comes back, He will establish His kingdom forever. So what I'm telling you is this. We have a lot to look forward to. We have a lot to be anxious about. And every bit of what we've talked today, folks, is the gospel truth, and it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Just as Jesus promised, it will. Jesus never made a promise He didn't intend to keep. Never. So what are we going to do with this information? What are we going to do in light of this preview? What do you think? You think there's somebody out there that needs to hear that? Do you think there's a troubled soul out there that needs to hear about this sneak preview? This coming attraction? There's a whole passel of them out there, folks. But I want to tell you when that day comes, be ready. I want to be ready. When Gabriel blows that horn, when Christ shall return, I want to be there. My question to you is, are you going to be there? Are you ready to be there? Because it's coming. It's a coming attraction. Be ready. Father God, we just thank You for this day you blessed us with. Father, we just thank You for Your love, Your mercy, Your grace. All the blessings that You give, Father, we thank You for Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this church family, Father. I pray your blessing upon each one of us, Father. I pray that you will continue to protect us and watch over us in this very challenging, very troubling time. Father, just go with us as we leave this place. We've heard a very challenging word today, Father. Put somebody in our path this week ahead that needs to hear about this sneak preview that's coming, Father, this coming attraction that is coming. And Father, help us to witness to those people. Father, just forgive us where we fail you. Watch over us and care for us, Father. All the folks that we've got on our prayer list, we ask that the need that they have, that that need will be met. Father, there's probably several folks that we don't know about. We lift them up to you. Folks that are not with us today, we pray that they're safe, that they're okay. We ask you to bring them back safely. And Father, last but not least, we ask that you bless us with some rain that we desperately need, that only you can send, that only you can provide. So watch over us and care for us, Father. Just bring us back at the next appointed hour. And all of God's children says,